Hey guys, did you miss us? It's been a while. Uh, it's been uh, hectic for us personally, but we're finally back with another episode. And uh, quite a bit has happened since we last recorded an episode, which was, what was it, after the Leafs lost again? Yeah, and that was like our bonus episode type of uh, podcast. So the last real episode was going into the first round. Um, and now another a whole nother round has passed. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's all right. Things have been busy. Things have been really busy for us both, so it's okay. But we're still finding time to uh, do the podcast, of course. And we have a lot to talk about today. Absolutely. By the way, before we get started, if you guys liked the video format from the last episode we recorded, uh, let us know if we may start doing that a little bit more. But it's it's up to you guys if you want us to do it. I liked it, and uh, I'd love to do it even more. Uh, those things just take a bit more time than doing the audio stuff so so we'll see oh yeah 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 poor matthew was up pretty late uh, trying to export the last episode he was texting me like like two or three in the morning like it's done the export the export times take forever that's where it really kills honestly when you're exporting like an hour long video yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean welcome back to the behind the podcast where you two hosts matthew and michael and um yeah we have a lot on our plate a lot to catch up on uh, in, in in basketball and hockey and, and baseball. Just overall, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, where, where do you want to start? Well, we should probably start with the uh, playoffs, uh, the NHL playoffs more specifically. Uh, since our last episode, uh, a set, the second round has come and gone, and we already know who's in the final four. And uh, it's not even it's not, there's not even West and East because I'm so used to saying West and East, but we have Tampa Bay facing the Islanders and Vegas playing the Montreal Canadiens. Now, mm -hmm. I think we know who the black sheep is of all those teams. Oh, yeah. And I think we'll start talking about them first, kind of jumping off our last episode. The team that eliminated the Leafs in a um, uh, big props to the Montreal Canadiens. Of course, when the Leafs face such a terrible collapse, blowing a 3-1 lead, you have to look at the other team who overcame a 3-1 deficit. So um, that's huge on them. And then, of course, recapping the second round, I, we I know you didn't see it coming. I didn't even see them beating Winnipeg, but they swept Winnipeg. So, um, yeah, this team is just full of surprises. Yeah, I, I definitely was uh, caught off guard with Montreal sweeping the Winnipeg Jets. I knew that it was good. the Jets were going to be uh, a challenge. I also knew that the Jets were going were not the greatest defensively. I did not expect them to be so easily uh, demolished by the Montreal Canadiens, and the series just basically ended very quickly. Like almost as soon as that Mark Shifley uh, suspension occurred, you kind of had a sense that Montreal had the upper hand. And and this is no disrespect to Montreal, but in the last two rounds, they've had they had a quite a bit of an, of, of luck on their side. With Tavares going down with an injury and then making the Leafs game plan scrambled and Montreal's game plan became easier. And the same thing kind of happened in the second round where after Shifley was uh, suspended, uh, the Jets game plan kind of became a lot easier to figure out and also some injuries on the Jets end as well. So it looked like that the Golden Knights are going to give them a tough bout, but let's not kid ourselves. Uh, it's pretty impressive that Montreal's even made it this far because I don't think anybody expected them to make it this far. I don't even think anybody expected him to win more than one playoff game. For sure. I mean, the the, the Mark Shifley uh, uh, suspension was a big storyline in that second round series. Uh, to be fair, 
uh, Montreal was very dominant in that game one um, of the, of that series anyway. So I don't know. It just, it was so surprising. It was, it was, it was crazy. And Montreal is going on a crazy run. They have a lot of momentum and um, even facing Vegas now, like it's tied up one, one. So it really is anyone's game. And it's just crazy to think that uh, first it was crazy to think that Montreal came out of the, was coming out of the North. And now um, to think that they might be finals bound, I don't know. We'll just see what happens, but uh, it's been a great series so far um, after two games. Um, game three is tonight. We're recording this on Friday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much summarized what happened with the Habs there um, and that series. What other teams would you like to talk about next? Uh, let's just talk a little bit about the Boston Bruins because uh, they are one of the teams that uh, I was uh, keeping an eye on. I was kind of surprised uh, that... Uh, Tuka Rask announced that uh, he was going to stay in Boston because uh, I wrote an article suggesting maybe Lee should consider going after him. And it uh, turns out that decision has already been made. He's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston just seems like a team that's at a crossroads because uh, they are getting their, their star players are getting older. Um, the, the East, the Atlantic division is getting a lot tougher. Um, and they did not look too great against the Islanders at times in that series. So I wonder what the future holds for them. Because there was times during the regular season where they didn't look that great. And there was real concern that they might miss the playoffs entirely. Yeah, I mean, Boston's, a, like you said, they're at a crossroads. They're at a, kind of in that middle progression stage that, all, you know, contending teams always eventually reach. Like we see it in the... But at the same time, it's that point where they could go either way. They could either be, you know a team that doesn't make the playoffs or they can be a dominant team still. And we've been seeing it in the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals. You know, they're aging. Their core has aged. They're kind of filling in the slots with uh, just, you know, uh, other players. But they're, those two mm-hmm. teams are still doing very well. But then you see a team like, you know, the Blackhawks. And, of course, they are missing Jonathan Taves, a big part of their uh, veteran core still. Um but they're they're kind of in a similar position, maybe just a little older, a little bit different. But they're also trying to look for success that they're not really finding as at the same degree. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think Boston still has it in them. But I think we shouldn't write off the New York Islanders. This is the second time they're in the Final Four, second year straight. So I think last season a lot of people thought it was kind of like an outlier season for them making the final four, but they done it again this season and they look very good. And like, I, I keep, I keep talking about, um, and in conversations I have with others, uh, Matt Barzell, he's just, mm. he steps up in the moment. I, I was saying if the Islanders do make the finals, I can fully see him being, you know, the guy who's, who steps up in the finals, like crazy on the, on the big stage. He just has that in him very clutch. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, all the credit in the world for the Islander success has to go squarely on Barry Trotz because mm-hmm. he's always been a guy that's gotten the most out of uh, what he has, and like uh, it's been, it worked really well in Nashville. It worked exceptionally well in Washington, and continues to do so with the Islanders. It's, it's prob, it's not hard to argue that uh, Barry Trotz might just be our generation's version of uh, Scott Bo- Scotty Bowman, who many regard as one of the greatest coaches of all time. So yeah, like uh, the Islanders have to be extremely lucky that he's uh, the the man behind the bench, and they've got a great system there, and they've been able to implement uh, a mentality in the players of uh, of a team first, uh, which has worked really well for them because skill wise, they do not stack up well with any of the other teams that are remaining in, in the playoffs right now. But 
even even so much as the uh, Montreal Canadiens, but yet they make it work, and that's why they're here and why they uh, are giving the Lightning a real challenge. Yep, they are they are legit, and uh, Tampa Bay's up to one after their victory last night. But yeah, I mean, I could fully see this uh, series even going seven games and going either way. This one, this one, I think it will be close. Yeah. Uh, just before we move on to just making our predictions for the third round, uh, I, I got to ask you, Matt, which is more surprising, the Avs make losing in the second round or the Hurricanes losing in the second round? The Avs losing in the second round. I mean, and I was going to briefly talk about that Lightning uh, Hurricanes uh, series, but at the same time, I Carolina looked great all season, all regular season. At one point, they were contending for uh, the top spot in the whole league. Um and of course, Rod Brindamore, coach of the year. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit, but that team has been great. Their top line has been performing. Their defensive core is stacked. We all know that. And uh, they've just been great. But I mean, it's Tampa Bay. So that's the thing. You're not surprised because this is Tampa Bay. I mean, the big uh, the big discussion about them is they're a team that's 18 million over the cap. Um they are stacked. They're the Tampa Bay Lightning, pretty much. They have the best goalie, the best defenseman in the game, and they have a stacked, um, stacked offensive court, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, Carolina. I like you could say I I I expected them to go farther, but when you come up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's kind of like it's understandable, right? So that's all I'm going to say about that series. But Colorado, I had them going to the finals, like. They were the team that looked to be, you know, the. I mean, they were the best team in the regular season, and they were legitimately, they looked like the team that could win it all this season. They were built to win a Stanley Cup. Nathan McKinnon was tearing it up. And, uh, yeah, and even in the beginning of that series uh, against Vegas, they were dominating, and then Vegas just took hold of it. Mm-hmm. It was just a yeah, ve- switch, yeah. Yeah, I'll just say this. Uh, the Lightning were clearly the better team than the Hurricanes. This is no disrespect to Carolina. They they were a really good team, but they had every right to uh, win that division. But uh, Tampa Bay, when everyone's fully healthy, is the better team. And that's what we saw in that series. And the, from the Colorado perspective, I'm super surprised that no one gives uh, them the kind of flack that you know, Leaf fans, the Leafs get uh, for their playoff failures because Nathan McKinnon has not made it past the second round at any point in his career. And we're probably getting dangerously close to that point where he's becoming the next uh, Alex Ovechkin, an amazing player, is gifted with great teams uh, throughout his entire career, with a few exceptions, of course, and doesn't do anything in the playoffs besides make it to the se- to the uh, Game 7 of the second round. It's It's kind of surprising, but, like, there's no, let's not kid ourselves here. The Avalanche are still a really good team. They're going to come back next year. They'll probably be one of the favorites once again. But at some point, you got to wonder, like, is this team capable of winning it all in the playoffs? Because mm-hmm. so far, yeah, they've had bad luck, but they haven't proved it yet, if that makes sense. And I don't want to be super harsh on them because I know Colorado is really, really good. And I'm this is no disrespect to any of the teams, but, like, at some point, you got to prove your worth. And we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I completely get it. And even going back to your comment about the flock, um, it is a pretty similar situation to what the Leafs are going, but it's also different. I, I, their, their, their contention period really started 2018 because remember 2017, they were like the last place team. 
Um, and they, they lost the lottery that year, but they still picked up Kale McCarr fourth overall. Um, but they really only started dominating 2018, then 2019, 2020. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> of course, when you compare it to the Leafs, it's because, you know, it's first round compared to at least they went to the second round twice. But yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think, I guess it's, it's because of that, at least they went to the second round. It's like, there's still a little more optimism there. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they can run it back. I just don't know. And I mean, going deeper into the abs, uh, you know, the Nazem Kadri suspension definitely put a dent into their team as well. Uh, Kadri, I mean, this is kind of why Kyle Dubas traded him away. Or a, a big reason, I think, is like, you know, if he's unable to play in the playoffs, then that's when you need him most. And mm-hmm. he's still going around doing that. And I, I love Nazem Kadri is one of my favorite players to watch. And it just sucks to see him you know, again and again, you have to spend it like that. Um, when, when at the most important time of the season. Mm. So, um, yeah, but Colorado, they just lost momentum there. Like they were dominant in those first two games. And then I thought after game two, um, when they won in, uh, I think it was Renton and that scored that overtime winner on uh, Vegas. I remember watching that and thinking they, they might sweep, like that's how dominant they're looking. That whole overtime period as well. They looked very dominant compared to the golden mm-hmm. Knights. And then, no, Vegas just switched it on them, and I was surprised. But, yeah, we might be seeing Vegas go to the finals for the second time in their, what, four-year history? Yeah. Five years? It's very possible. Yeah. I I think it's only four. You're only four years old. Four years? Which is insane. Yeah. Wow. Because, yeah, that was the 2018 finals. So, yeah, four-year. Wow. Man. (laughs) I, th- I think there's a reason why a lot of uh, people in this town do not like the uh, Golden Knights because they're envious of their how much success they've had compared to the, the local team in this city. <laughs> I mean, even for other expansion teams, like even for any team, they've made it to the finals past. They made it to the finals in their first season. I think that obviously it hits Toronto a lot harder, but just look at any team that hasn't been in the finals in even the last 20 years. And that's mm-hmm. a huge stinger. <laughs> yep yeah yeah it's just crazy that how lucky they've got well not lucky it's just how how they've been able to take advantage of uh the cards they were dealt and yeah they're now one of the best teams in uh hockey and props to them because i was actually just looking at the uh golden knights roster from that 2018 team um the other day and i looked at it compared to where the like those individual players their statistics from the year before they like william carlson like he was legitimately a, a, a player that was completely written off. Like, yeah, the Golden Knights got um, lucky with with a, a few players who who were just let go for you know who knows why, right? But like players like William Carlson, I think he scored like you know less than thirty points the season before, and then he explodes the next season. And they had a bunch of those players kind of take on that next man up mentality, right? Like it's their time to shine. And yeah, no, it was a good team. That was a good team. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, Vegas plays the Lightning in the finals because that would make for uh, very exciting uh, Stanley Cup finals. I will, I will tell you that much. That would be, oh yeah, um, but yeah, that those are some crazy second round uh, matchups actually. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah, and then uh, yeah, right now we got Vegas and Montreal and Tampa and New yeah. York. And like we said, uh, Vegas and Montreal is tied up at one, and Tampa has a two-one hold on the Islanders. Michael, what are your uh, predictions? 
Your, your truthful I'd predictions. I'd see the Lightning and Islanders series going to six or seven games with Tampa Bay coming out on top. Uh, Montreal just stole game two from the Golden Knights. So that series, another series I could also see going to six games as well. But Vegas is coming out on top in that one as well. So, yeah, like I said, Vegas, uh, Tampa Bay is going to be your Stanley Cup Finals. Unless, of course, the hockey gods hate me, and we're going to get the series that Noli fans want, which is the Islanders versus the Habs. <laughs> I'm going to see, like, my instinct is telling me Vegas in, like, six. But I don't know. My gut is telling me, like, we've been writing off Montreal so much. Like, I'm. why do I just feel like they might just surprise? And, yeah, like you said, that would sting the city of toronto but i don't know i feel like it could be like montreal in like seven and it would just like shock everyone i'm just gonna say that it's just it's just gonna we'll just see it's just gonna be we'll see i've been wrong on my predictions before um i was clearly wrong we were both clearly wrong in our first round prediction so i'm gonna say montreal in seven and then tampa i'm gonna say in like six games truthfully I do not want Tampa versus Montreal <laughs> because I, I wrote an article. This remember is how hot, I predicted my, th- it's crazy to think that it's a hot take, but it's just that Montreal. Wow. Like every, every round that they've played this season, like th- these playoffs has been a surprise. So I'm not going to be surprised if it's one more. I, cause like I'm saying it's Montreal has been getting extremely lucky. So it wouldn't be surprising if they get more luck coming their way. Cause eventually Honestly. it's going to catch up to them. Yeah. eventually going to catch up but to them. Honestly, and I think we need to bring up Carey Price. Let's be real. Carey Price has been playing um, crazy, just absolutely crazy. And uh, there were questions about his contract before. As long as he shows up in the playoffs, his contract is well-earned. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, uh, yeah, so that because uh, right now I was I thought the Euros were about to start up, but I guess no worries, they're not no ready worries. yet. <laughs> no worries. Um, but yeah, so... Those are my predictions, and those are your predictions, and we'll just see. I don't mind if I'm wrong or if I'm right. I guess we'll just see what happens. Yeah. One quick thing before we move on. Uh, the the big story coming out of uh, hockey these last few days, uh, besides from uh, what's going on with Jack Eichel, is Dougie Hamilton being available. The Hurricanes announced, uh, well, at least it was announced, that the Hurricanes were letting him uh, negotiate with other teams to work out a potential sign and trade. And I think that's the right thing to do when you have a pending free agent, you're not too sure if you're able to keep him because like, let's be real. It's it's, you never want to lose a, a good player for nothing. And you should always try and get something out of him. So that at least uh, you get some value in return. So this is good on the hurricanes mm-hmm. and a lot of leaf fans really want Dougie Hamilton. And I'm certainly one of them. Now, I don't know if he's actually going to be at the price the Leafs would like to get him at, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because, well, Ducky Hamilton addresses a lot of issues for this Leafs team. One, number one, he would immediately improve the power play, which I think was a, a big issue for the Leafs all season long. We already know that. And I think one of it was the lack of a reliable shot from the point. Ducky Hamilton addresses that easily. And he'd be the least uh, legit number one defenseman, which is something they haven't had in a long time. And I mean no disrespect to Martin Raleigh, because he's been as close as it's come for many, many years. But we know that there can be someone even better than Martin Riley, and I think Dougie Hamilton is that guy. So if you can find a way to get him, and it's at a reasonable price, you got to do it, because they cannot waste another year 
of uh, the same core doing going back at it again. And I think they need to make a seismic move, and Dougie Hamilton fits that bill to a T. Yeah, no, 100%. And like I said on our uh, our last podcast, like the bonus episode after the first-round exit for the Leafs, um, I was talking about the defensive core and the need for like a shakeup just in general. I would, you know, I, I thinking about what it would cost uh, for Dougie Hamilton, obviously Morgan Riley comes to mind. And I mean, I like Morgan Riley. I would actually, I like the defensive pair, like the defensive core as it is. And I would actually want to add to it because this is the first season that the Leafs really have a very stable defensive core. And I think they should, just kind of look to upgrade that actually i mean it was stable it was in the problem like it was in the last few seasons but you could always make it better but when you're looking at it like trade scenarios i morgan riley probably is a starting point and like i said in the last podcast i don't think morgan riley is a first like a number one defenseman that you build your defensive core around um unfortunately i think he's a very good top pair or top four defenseman and i would love to see him still on the defensive core uh, for the Leafs, but if you would like to swap out him for Dougie Hamilton, that might be a possible number one defenseman that you build around. And it's always good to have a stock defensive core and, and upgrade your defensive core. I mean, look at Carolina; that's they they're stocked in on defense, and it's not a problem for them. But I mean, yeah, and I think uh, looking at other trade scenarios, I gotta ask you where where what kind of scenario would the Leafs even proposed because I think the other uh, starting point that we kind of discussed before was Zach Hyman, his expiring contract going the other way. And uh, I don't know how an expiring contract for an expiring contract kind of trade might work out, but yeah, I mean, it could be a starting point and then you add on, but the Leafs don't even have their first round pick this season. So I don't know. What are you thinking? Well, yeah, like I said, Morgan Riley has to be the starting point because I'd imagine that uh, the Hurricanes would like to get uh, a defenseman in return. But at the same time, uh, the Hurricanes have long had a pretty stable back end. So maybe defense isn't their primary concern, which may- means that uh, a good idea would be, like we, like we were talking about earlier, to give uh, Zach Hyman's expiring contract to Carolina. Or you could give away Mitch Marner because uh, Mitch Marner's contract would be fairly comparable to what uh, Dougie Hamilton will make uh, if he were to hit the open market. Uh, it just it just goes down to what do the Hurricanes need? Is defense a priority with Dougie Hamilton gone? Or will they be able to uh, live on without him? That's what I think it's uh, going to come down to. And I, I like to think that the easy solution would be just trade Morgan Riley so they get something in return. And they could still keep a decent defensive unit because let's not kid ourselves. Morgan Riley's still a really, really good defenseman. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. And like I said, um, he still fits perfectly in the Leafs defensive core. Um, and that's why if I, if like I'm saying, like if it's possible to get Dougie Hamilton while keeping Morgan Riley and keeping that defensive core intact, it would just make that, you know, that core so much stronger, but We'll just have to see. I don't know. I wouldn't say that the Leafs are considered a front run, like would be considered a front runner for Dougie Hamilton, but yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, I hope it's the Leafs. But yeah, you're right. It's probably there's the odds are not in their favor. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> they're definitely not. Um. All right. So moving on from the playoffs, uh, let's talk quickly about the NHL awards. Um, a whole bunch of them 
like the 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 finalists were revealed for pretty much all of them and a few of them actually have the like the winners were announced um none of the major major ones i guess the most the one the biggest one that has a winner already announced is the jack adams award and then we'll go through the others but uh we'll start with the jack adams award uh rod brindamore won the jack adams award and what do you think of that uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Rob Brindamore is easily one of the best coaches in hockey. Uh, I'm not really sure why Barry Trotz is not included because he should be in the running every single year. <laughs> like we were talking about earlier, he is the one of the best coaches, but uh, Rob Brindamore is a really good option. The one thing I'm confused about is why was Dean Ev- Evenson uh, second place? Because the wild success was more towards Kirill Kaprizov, not him. I <laughs> had... I don't know how many people knew who Dean Evenson was before this before this year. So I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah. Typically, the Jack Adams Award goes to a team who pretty much defied their expectations for the season. And I mean, the Hurricanes definitely did that. They reached the top of the league. Um, and yeah, same with the Minnesota Wild. Like you said, it is Kirill Kaprizov. A lot of his credit, but that whole team went from like. Just a couple seasons ago, they were about rebuilding, full-on rebuild. What are they going to do with that team? And now they made the playoffs this season. So, yeah, it was a big jump, and, you know, the the coach gets recognized. Uh, and, I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on, I believe, uh, Keefe was uh, – Sheldon Keefe was – he placed sixth in the voting for Jack Adams. What do you think on that, of that? I think it's good that uh, Keefe's getting some recognition from the voters, uh, I I imagine that uh, if the Leafs had more success in the playoffs, he would have done a lot better in the the voting. But uh, this is a good start for him. I think for all his faults, because uh, Keith did make some mistakes this year in the playoffs, uh, he is a good coach, and I think the the voters are finally starting to recognize that, and hopefully it leads to uh, more recognition next year. Yeah. And hopefully he does better. I agree. I think uh, I think sixth place is a perfect spot for him. Like I said, typically the finalists are for teams that defied expectations Keith is a good team and i mean a good coach for the leafs because he got them to pretty much where they were expected to be they're they're a contending team so he kept them at the contending pace so um being recognized even at six uh is still good for uh like like i said those uh coaches that are coaching contending teams don't usually get recognized because they're you know they're they're kind of expected to be there so i think it's it's a good spot for him either way yeah so a lot of the other awards have not been announced yet. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, probably a few of them have. So why don't we just go quickly over them and uh, make our predictions? Yeah, I mean, let's just start with the uh, Selkie Trophy. Uh, we got the finalists as uh, Barkov, Bergeron, and uh, Stone. And that my gut is tell the best yeah, defensive t- forward. Just just to clarify. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, no worries. Bob I'll I'll just say this: my gut's telling me Bergeron, but Mark Stone makes a pretty compelling case. So. That could go either way, but my my gut's telling me it's uh, Bergeron. My gut's telling me Mark Stone, and I like my it's like I know it would be Patrice Bergeron's uh, award to win. Like that's literally him in a nutshell, the NHL's best defense forward. But this season alone, I think Mark Stone has really uh, took that step forward to show that he's a, a real a really good like two way threat, right? So um, I think this season it goes to Mark Stone. So we'll I would see. be surprised too. I I like to see somebody else win that award, but I just uh, I just have a feeling that it's going to be Bergeron. Yeah, it's, a, it's anyway. What's awesome. next? 
Next, uh, this one's a good one. We got the Lady Bing Trophy uh, to award the player who combines sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct with high-level play. We got Austin Matthews up for that one with uh, uh, Jakob Slavin and uh, Jared Spurgeon of the uh, Wild. And again, another toss-up, I think. I, th- I mean, I think it's it's really cool that Austin Matthew got, uh, Matthews got uh, uh, nominated. I think he might actually have a chance to take it home. Yeah, I totally agree with you as well. But uh, I know a lot of everyone be uh, super on board with that. So I'm predicting that it's going to be J- Jacob Slavin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He he just he breeds class out of out of those three mm-hmm. players. I and that's the one I would like to see win the award the most. But Jared Spurgeon's always been a good captain, a good uh, like positive role model of Minnesota. And say what you will about Austin Matthews uh, off ice stuff, he is a he does have a positive impact in the city of Toronto's community, like especially because he goes to the Thick Kids Hospital. But I, I think it's going to be uh, Jacob Slavin. Okay, awesome. Um, I'll go. I could see it being Slavin, but I might go Matthews just, just, just so we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Um. Next up, we got a GM of the Year award, and that's uh, Mark Bergevin, Lou Lamoriello, and Bill Zito. I what hate this the, these yeah. not, these finalists. I and those are like three great. Ball. Those are three great teams. I mean, uh, Montreal, no. uh, Montreal, uh, New York, and uh, and Florida. I just, I just don't know how to feel about this one. Lou Lamarillo has done a lot more harm to the Islanders than good. He's the best move he's done was hire Barry Trotz when he inexplicably became available. And Mark Virgman has always been uh, very inconsistent. He always makes some questionable decisions. Uh, well, yes, he they sell the moves. A lot of the moves have paid off in the end. Like it's just he's just too much of a of a wild card for me. So I'm just gonna go with the the, the choice that I don't I don't know much about in Bill Zito because Florida did have a really good season this year and they, they made a lot of really good moves. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know for me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you with New York. And, like, they were expected to be too good. This is another award that kind of goes with uh, the team, the GM that kind of propels their team beyond expectations. Um, Like we said, I mean, New York last season, everyone thought it was kind of an outlier season. But this season, they... They're there. The New York Islanders are a good team and they're going to be good for for the next few years to come. So I think for me, it comes down to either Bergevin or Zito, um, either Montreal or Florida. And... I'm honestly going to pick Florida. I'm going to pick Bill Zito because he took that team from, you know, not being a contending team to, and remember, let's remember, this is supposed to be regular season awards. So he took that team to, um, top of the top of the division. Um, they won the division actually. So yeah, he, that team defied expectations. Now, if we're looking at the regular season, the Habs, like Bergevin made some big moves at the, uh, during the off season and, they were very inconsistent during the regular season. They were the last team to make the playoffs. Um, but what really blows, what really makes Bergevin like look like a genius now is the fact that they're finding success in the playoffs, which is what matters. But I think this award is voted on based on the regular season. So I'm going to go with Bill Zito. I think that's a, that's an easy choice. Yeah. All right. So next up, uh, let me just look here. The Calder. Calder Memorial Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Um, we got Kirill Kaprizov, uh, Alex uh, Ned, Ned, I can't even say that, Ned, Ned Eljevic, 
and uh, Jason Robertson, who's the brother of uh, Nick Robertson. This is an easy choice for me. Kirill Kaprizov was easily the best rookie this year. Yeah. Although we can't uh, deny that Alex Nedeljkovic had a really good season for the Hurricanes, and he's their starter going forward. But yeah, it's Kaprizov's award to lose. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Kaprizov as well. Pretty easy choice there. And then uh, I'm going to save that one for last. Actually, we got the Norris, uh, defenseman of the year. Goes uh, either Adam Fox, Victor Hedman, or Kale McCarr. This one's interesting. Um, for me, it might be between Hedman or McCarr. Um, we know Hedman won it in the past. McCarr, a new nominee for it. Who, who do you have for it? I would love to see Kale McCarr win it. Uh, he's easily one of the best defensemen in hockey right now. Mm. <laughs> he's His skill set is out of this world. Uh, Victor Hedman didn't have as great of a season, but he's still one of the best defensemen in the game. And huge shout-out to Adam Fox. He's actually, he's one of the most underrated defensemen in hockey. Yeah. I don't think enough people give him the credit that he deserves because he's he is really, really good. Oh, so yeah. this nominee is well-deserved for him. But if I were to pick, it has to be Kale McCarr. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to go Kale McCarr as well. Rookie of the year, and then now uh, Norris winner. He's going to be racking up already. Pretty big resume if he wins. Um, but I'm going to go with that too. Um, Ted Lindsay, it's uh, basically the kind of like the MVP, but voted on by the players. Um, mm-hmm. We got Sidney Crosby, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid. I'm going to go with Connor McDavid. Yeah, Connor McDavid is going to win that award. Uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if Matthews wins it too, because he had an outstanding season from a goal scoring perspective. Connor McDavid, though, just had. An out of this world campaign from a points production standpoint, and he was the probably the big big reason why the Oilers had the success that they had. Yeah, and, and I'm not really sure why Crosby was was <laughs> was, was, was was here. I, I think I don't think he's had as good of a season he's had in yeah, years past. But voted by uh, he had a great season, but voted by, I mean, voted by their fellow peers. So I think they recognize their games, and I think they're gonna recognize Connor McDavid's either way. The other two, oh, yeah. Matthews and Crosby, had great seasons as well, but. I think they all recognize McDavid's game. Uh, the Vesna, we got Flurry, Grubauer, and Vasilevsky. This is a good one. This is a, mm-hmm. this is a really good um, list of nominees. But I'll have to say this Flurry had a season of the ages, and he did surpass Father Time in a big way this year. He was a big part of the, the Golden Knights' success this season. Especially considering when last season there was legitimate attention for the for, for, for who's going to be the goalie, and there was there was talks that the Golden Knights were going to trade away Flurry, and now look at him. He's uh putting this team on the doorstep of uh, a Stanley Cup fi- another Stanley Cup Finals berth, and he still still got it. What thirty five, thirty six? It's got to be Flurry. Yeah. Uh, for me, yeah, uh, it's it. This one's a tough one because Vasilevsky had an amazing season too, and just solidified himself as the best goalie in hockey right now. It's a tough one, and like this is Flurry's first nomination. I would love to see him win it. I might, I'm, I feel like I'm gonna go with Vasilevsky here as my pick. That's fair too. Yeah, Vasilevsky's always been great. Yeah, and then the final award, similar to the Ted Lindsay, the Hart, which is the actual MVP award as voted by on by the. PHWA. We got Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, and Connor McDavid. And I'm going to go with the same answer with Connor McDavid. Yeah. This one, I think, is uh, this is probably a no contest as well. 
Like when you have a hun- over a hundred points in a shortened season, like it's, I would be shocked if McDavid does not win this reward. But I will. Uh, then, then again, Matthews had an outstanding season in his own right, and you can't forget about Nathan McKinnon, who's easily a skilled player despite his uh, shortcomings in the playoffs. All these players are great, but it's McDavid's award to lose. If we're talking about playoffs, all these players <laughs> happen to have shortcomings in the playoffs. But oh yeah, <laughs> this is this is a regular season award, and that's why it's a regular season award. Um, yep. But yeah, I'm gonna go Connor McDavid. He had a historical season this season. Yeah. I think there's no debates there, unless uh, Lee fans just want to rub uh, salt in the open mood of uh, <laughs> the Oilers. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, let's move on to some basketball talk because we have a lot more to get through. Um, and so let's keep it brief, but let's get through the uh, big series. So we didn't really get to talk much about the first or the second round uh, of the NBA playoffs, uh, but a lot has happened. I'm just going to recap it quickly. Philadelphia, um, in the first round, Philadelphia – uh, beat Washington 4-1. New York fell 4-1 to to the Hawks, and we'll talk about the Hawks soon. Milwaukee got revenge from last season, uh, or last playoffs, on the Miami Heat, and they swept them. Brooklyn 4-1 over the Boston Celtics. The Jazz 4-1 over the Memphis Grizzlies. This one was my personal favorite uh, series of the first round. The Clippers versus the Mavs. That went to Game 7. Clippers came back from a 2-0 hole. Um, that was just, that one was just a great one. And then Denver 4-2 over Portland, and another big one that people didn't see coming. And we'll talk about this team as well. The Phoenix Suns 4-2 over the Lakers. LeBron's first first round exit. Before we move, before I start talking about the second round, were there any moments or any series specifically that jumped out for you, uh, Michael? I think uh, the the Hawks next series was the coming out party of sorts for Trey Young. Like if if you didn't think that Trey Young was a star before the playoffs, I I think that play, that series is sure that he is a star. He is uh, going to be a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference for years to come, and the Hawks got a good one. Oh man, I love Trey Young. That whole series was so entertaining. He makes it entertaining. He played the villain so well against the biggest market in the nba you can't get better than that he just played that villain role so well it was so entertaining the bow oh, i yeah. love that i love that so much so many people don't like it but i loved it he just he's having fun with it and um any anything else from the first round before we move on totally agree with you that the clippers maverick series was the best series from a pure entertainment perspective and uh that series uh, could have gone either way but the clippers just came on ahead i honestly thought that the mavericks were going to take it to the the clippers this year considering that these two teams played each other last year and that series was also really close but uh yeah no Kawhi's uh and paul george's experience came out in the end and of course the sun series was pretty uh entertaining as well just because lebron lost in the first round yeah me too i thought the clippers I mean, I thought we were going to see both LA teams out in the first round and the world would go upside down, like, honestly. Um, but the Clippers stuck it through. And uh, Luka Doncic playing amazingly. I know there's a lot of talk about his supporting cast now. Porzingis possibly not the answer for as his running mate, but we'll see what Dallas does. I, They're still super young. I wouldn't even put so much expectations on them. Luka Doncic has so many years to come. I don't think people should get ahead of that. Um, but yeah, and then uh, last thing, I just want to ask you, were you surprised that the Lakers were out in the first round? Yes and no. Uh, yes, because uh, you always know LeBron's going to 
find a way out of the first round at some in some way, shape, or form. But the Phoenix Suns are a really, really well built team, and they were clearly the class of uh, between those two teams. Like they were the the the, the better built organization at least right now, and uh, they had a well deserved win. Uh, is this Phoenix's time to shine? Oh, for sure. Um, and we'll talk about Phoenix shortly. I'll go in order because we started talking about the Hawks and, and Trey Young. So now going to the second round, this Philadelphia, we have a lot. I, I know we're going to talk about this one a lot. Philadelphia, Atlanta, Philadelphia mm-hmm. comes in looking like they're going to easily, um, you know, beat the Hawks. They're the experienced team. They're the number one team, the whole NBA, um, the, during this regular season. I mean, you know, like you have the MVP candidate and Joel Embiid, you have Ben Simmons, um what could go wrong right and i mean atlanta's up three two but we we know what happened last game in uh in game five (laughs) yeah oh my gosh my timeline was going crazy that was a crazy night so if somehow you didn't hear the philadelphia 76ers blew at one point a 26 point lead to the hawks basically in the final what like four minutes of the game insane yeah obviously not all 26 yeah. but but they 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 let them go on a run in that, those final four minutes and just man trey young yeah trey young <laughs> yeah that's just like i was going off from the the previous series previous round uh, yeah trey young is gonna be one of the best players in the nba for a long time and he could make a legitimate case if he's able to uh upset the 76ers uh in the second round here by the way how where would you rank that comeback in terms of uh, all time for all time uh, NBA comebacks? Honestly, one of the best comebacks. Like I know we've seen the Raptors make a huge comeback as well, but this was in the playoffs. The underdog team, the Hawks are the underdog. Like, well, right now looking at the whole bracket, probably the Hawks and the Suns are the two biggest underdogs that are left. But I would say the Hawks are the bigger underdogs than the, uh, I mean the the Suns, and they're the bigger underdogs than the Suns and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I think this more so than the comeback and the Hawks. I feel like the story mo- mostly falls on the the 76ers and the collapse rather than the comeback because mm-hmm. this is a team that's been trusting the process for how long and man for fans, how long are they going to have to trust the process? Ben Simmons, what was he doing? He can't shoot. Like it, no. it, his problems, the problems that they've always known about him are really showing out now and it's crazy and just that entire game five was just a crazy roller coaster experience let's go i mean going back uh what was it with the whole comments about uh joel Embiid getting gassed i think from uh clint capella right mm-hmm. him 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 being tired at the end of games and then uh joel Embiid said you know he responded saying something along the lines of uh i don't have the exact quote but uh you know basically like watch what i'm gonna do tonight and yeah he played a great first half and then they let it slip in the in the second half, and most importantly, like I was seeing highlights, he was looking gassed in the second half, and in the end, you know, the 76ers collapsed. It was literally foretold by the Hawks, and if I was if I was a player on the Hawks, if I was Clint Capella or Trey Young, like it went exact like it, it's just it's such a like it's such a bold thing that they did, and they did it in such a such a cool way. Like literally, you gotta feel so cool if you're on the Hawks right now because. You took the trash talk, you trash talk back, and then you 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 backed it up in like the most legitimate way possible. Yeah. 
That's just I will say amazing. this. As from a 76ers perspective, uh, this game six is going to be a big uh, moment for the future of their franchise because a blown 26-point lead is uh, not easy to overcome or to come back from. If they can uh, put out a big decisive win here and force a game seven, that'll be like, huge. Like it's it, To them, it'll be a minor blip in the Raider. But if they lose... That game five is going to be talked about as the beginning of the end. And I would like, I think there's going to be serious questions about if the 76ers team can really compete for a championship if they lose this series, especially when we consider that game five uh, collapse. So, yeah, this is, there's a lot riding on this game six for uh, the future of the 76ers. So, I'm very curious to see how that this plays out. Oh, yeah. And like I said, like the whole trust the process, like it works in theory, but, and they got two superstars but we've said we've been saying this for the last few seasons these two superstars don't seem like the the right fit for each other ben simmons and joel Embiid, both amazing players but they have their flaws and i don't think they work that well together um and i don't think they fit like a glove is what i'm saying but um you know like ben simmons i mean if anything his shooting woes have been his downfall for his in his career but mm-hmm. it's really being exposed now as a real problem i mean before it was a it kind of a a problem you could write off just because he's so strong getting to the paint and because yeah. you know he's big and he doesn't necessarily need to shoot but yeah like i don't know it's pretty crazy uh what will philadelphia do because this team uh, like this season if anything it looked like they they fixed those problems they picked up uh seth curry danny green fixing those shooting the spacing things like that making up for ben simmons as well lack of shooting but I don't know. It, I mean, even thinking about the Toronto Maple Leafs and how you're stumped with what the Toronto Maple Leafs might do, I feel, I feel like the 76ers, if they lose here, it's a similar situation because they got a team that was supposed to be built to contend legitimately, but at this point, it's like, what do you do but break up the core? Yeah, I definitely think that if we're going to choose which of those guys are going to get traded, it's the easy choice is Ben Simmons because I think Joel Embiid's talent is unquestionable. He is an MVP candidate. He's one of the best players in the league, and he's incredibly valuable to the 76ers success. So if the problem is not him and the fact of the matter that uh, Ben Simmons doesn't really complement Joel Embiid's play style to the best of their abilities, then you really have to consider uh, trading Ben Simmons somewhere else and getting a piece that can complement Joel Embiid's play style because that's probably going to be the only way that uh, the 76ers do any significant damage in the Eastern Conference going forward. So yeah, a lot is riding on Game Six, like I said, because if if Ben Simmons wants to stay in Philly, he needs to. They need to win Game Six. Mm-hmm. Um, game Six takes place tonight. We'll see how that plays out. All I'm going to say, I'm going to leave it off on uh, Atlanta. <laughs> Trey Young, Trey Young is just he could end up just terrorizing these major cities. First round, New York, and now Philadelphia. Who's next, right? Oh um, yeah. <laughs> um, next we'll go. Uh, I think the. Probably the biggest series this this round, which should possibly, I mean, if if they seeded differently, they would have been the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Mm-hmm. But Milwaukee, Brooklyn, I'd say the two best uh, teams in the East, um, really on paper. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're playing, they're they're really playing like it's the Eastern Conference Finals because he's going to seven games. Yeah, and it's crazy because we just saw a historical game from. Kevin Durant with both Kyrie Irving and James Harden out again, hoping that both of them recover speedy speedily. I, I really hope Kyrie Irving can return because 
yeah, that was a nasty injury that he got there on his uh, oh, yeah. foot. Yeah. Um, hope he can come back. I, I think he's been really the focal point of that Brooklyn uh, offense. But Kevin Durant, yeah, I mean, showing why he's pretty much the best player um, in basketball right now. I mean, you know, at least this season, just absolutely tearing it up uh, the other night. What, what was it? What was his stat line? Like 49 points? I just want to get the exact numbers. But uh, while I say that, what are your thoughts on the series? I'll tell you this right now. Whoever wins this series is representing the Eastern Conference in the finals. These two teams are the class of the Eastern Conference, in my humble opinion. And this is no disrespect to the 76ers, but the the Bucks have always been a really well-built team. Giannis has been one of the, one of the faces of NBA, the NBA for a long time. Kevin Durant, he's recovered nicely from his injury in the 2019 finals. He's, a, he's one of the best players in basketball. But obviously the Brooklyn Nets have had a lot of injury problems, and it's yet again uh, slowed them down a little bit. But let's see how they uh, bounce back from that, because this, this, this Nets team is really, really good. Mm-hmm. I can see this going either way, in all honesty. Obviously, it would be nice to see Kyrie Irving back on the floor because he plays a big factor in their success. But, yeah, no, this is this is going to be a very entertaining Game 7. I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, the, the Kevin Durant stat line was actually 49, 17, and 10. That is insane. That's an insane triple-double. And uh, I think that the first time that it was like a 45-plus, 15-plus, 10-plus game or something, um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that's insane but then on the, at the same time like you said these are the the cream the these are the, the the best of the best of the east and the bucks showed like that they still have it in them like absolutely winning dominantly in game six uh Giannis 30 points chris middleton 38 points even drew holiday up with uh 21 points so honestly going into game seven if you had asked me at the beginning of the playoffs, I said the Brooklyn Nets are 100% going into the going to the finals. Maybe it is different now because I mean injuries, James Harden and Kyrie Irving out. It's definitely a different team, but yeah, I mean I could see the Bucks winning even. Um, it's it's really it's really going to take Kevin Durant to become the Kevin Durant we saw in Game Five to take them out right now. Yeah. I hope Kevin Durant is going to do his part uh, in Game 7. It's going to be Durant versus uh, Giannis, and it's going to be a great battle. I could tell you that right now. Uh, if you like uh, heavyweight bouts, uh, this is this is it. You got Everyone needs to watch Game 7. It's going to be insane. It's going to be really good. Like I know people are saying these are a weaker playoffs, but honestly, when you look at these matchups that we're getting individually, there's some great matchups. Like... Kevin Durant versus Giannis. We possibly could get Kawhi versus. Well, we'll talk about that later. But we possibly it could possibly could have been Kawhi versus KD or Kawhi versus Giannis in the finals. Things like that. These are some great matchups. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I can't even pick a prediction. I'm just gonna have to say we'll just see because it honestly is a toss up. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Kawhi, why don't we just talk about the Western Conference briefly? Yeah. So that's the first uh, series I got here. So we got the Jazz versus the Clippers. The Jazz started off with two straight wins. And like we said, um, the Jazz are the best team in the regular season, I think. I accidentally said Philadelphia was. But no, the Jazz, they had the best record in the entire NBA um, in the season. Um, And they played like it throughout the first round. They played like it throughout the 
first two games, they seemed so dominant over the Clippers. And then Kawhi just, Kawhi and Paul George and the Clippers just turned it on and came back um, and won two games straight to tie it up. And then in game five, Kawhi, we'll talk about that now. Kawhi injured. He might be out for the, well, we don't know how it might be out for the rest of the series or let's hope not for the rest of the playoffs, but uh, we don't really have a set time table for his uh his leg injury there um but with him out can we finally call him playoff p again because paul george definitely showed up when they needed him so props to him i will say this that he can get his playoff p title back if he can close out this series uh <laughs> tonight yeah. this is a huge opportunity for him because a lot of people are questioning how well paul george can translate his play into the playoffs and this is a golden opportunity because I don't. The last time that Paul George was the number one option on a team, the clear number one option on a team, was uh, back in his Indianapolis Pacers days. It's been a while, so this is his time to shine. If he really wants to be playoff P, he needs to shut down the uh, the Jazz and give them no signs of life. But I will say this: I, I just want I want to make this uh, comment. NBA teams by now should know that you should never go up two nothing against Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> That's when he puts on the Kawhi face. He's determined. Always. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, no. Uh, t- today is a big game for Paul George. And for the Clippers in general, let's not forget Kawhi Leonard is a free agent after this season. I doubt either way. I doubt he would leave. I, I, he'd probably resign either way. But mm-hmm. you never know. And if they if they have a second-round exit this season, like after tonight, I don't know. Like, did does Kawhi think that Paul, and especially if Paul George has a, you know, a less than like a subpar game tonight, does Kawhi Leonard rethink who his running mate is? Does he rethink staying in LA? Does he rethink just the team in general? And he turns into LeBron GM mode and tries to <laughs> tries to make some request some moves to be done, and the Clippers shake things up. I don't know, but I think it's a really important game tonight especially for paul george last last game game uh five he put up uh 37 points he needs another performance like that tonight yeah i will say this if the clippers lose in uh, the second round again this year uh i think Kawhi will want to stay because he'll recognize that like it was the only reason that they lost is because he went down with an injury and that he needs to stay healthy and uh, yeah, I, th- I think he won't leave. You're right. Yeah. I don't see him uh, wanting to go somewhere else. He I don't think wa- he... he likes it there in LA. I don't. Yeah, he loves it there in LA. But I don't think he wanted to go to a team where he's relied upon that much. Where to the point where if he's out with an injury, you know, they can't hold together. So we'll see. We'll see. They can close out tonight. Um, so yeah. And then finally, we got the uh, the Phoenix Suns and. <laughs> Man, I got so much to talk about the Suns. Uh, uh, they swept. They already swept uh, the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, the MVP, and the Denver Nuggets are out after getting swept. To be fair, they didn't have Jamal Murray for these playoffs. I think it would have been a completely different series if they did have Jamal Murray, another mm-hmm. star, Canadian star, huge. Like he's him, and I mean that's essentially LeBron missing his Anthony Davis, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, but that doesn't take away anything from the Phoenix Suns who have been tearing it up. These playoffs have become the most, li- I, in my opinion, the most likable team, these, these, these playoffs, uh, other than the Hawks. I love the Hawks too. Um, but I mean, we finally get to see Devin Booker in the, 
playoffs and he's been absolutely killing it and deandre ayton has been really stepping up he's looking like a uh, like obviously he went first overall but for the last couple seasons it was like wow you really picked him over Luka Doncic and 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 Trey Young um but now it's like okay he's the first overall pick and that's fine because they're getting exactly what they needed out of him and he's looking like a uh a really great player possibly even uh an MVP at one some point in his career but he's developing very quickly very well oh yeah I agree with you the the 70 the Suns are a very likable team um I will also say this, uh, this this seems like CP3's best chance to reach the NBA yes. Finals for the first time in his career. Mm-hmm. And he's playing like a guy that really, really wants it. And I actually think that they, ha- they have a good shot at it this year. Because even if they play the Clippers, even if they play the Jazz, I can't, I, I think the Suns can pull out that series win. Like, the Suns feel like they're on a collision course for an NBA title this year. It, it just feels like it. But even if they don't win this year, they they they're they have a very very bright future. Oh yeah, literally a hundred percent. And yeah, like let's not discredit Chris Paul is like the biggest reason that they got to this point. Again, that trade catapulted them from catapulted them from being a non playoff team to not even just a playoff team, but the second seed in the West, and the West is stacked. So. Huge credit to Paul, uh, to Chris Paul. Um, I mean, people have been writing him off for years. He did the same in Oklahoma City. He did the same here. This is literally MVP um, type uh, type things that he does. So, um, literally makes the team around him better. So, props to him, and I would really love to see him win a ring. Honestly, I would love to see him go all the way. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, this is these are really good playoffs. Like people are writing off these playoffs. These are so interesting storylines and 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 everything. But yeah, I mean the Suns have been just like the Hawks have been uh, really likable and really kind of like a villain in their own right. Man, I don't know if you saw the video of the Suns fan fighting the <laughs> the Nuggets fan and saying <laughs> Suns in four. Oh, that's it's just it reminds me of uh toronto's playoff run in 2019 just so many moments that are like just building and i feel like being a suns fan would be the most fun thing right now um Mm -hmm. because they're they're above the other teams their run right now feels a little more special so we'll see how long they can go and the suns have not won a championship yet right um no i don't believe so yeah this feels like this feels like they're trying to shine they uh they have never I just want to double check that. I'm 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 pretty sure because they had the prime years of course with uh Charles Barkley and then the the um, Yeah, no. the Steve yep. Nash era. But no, they've mm-hmm. never had a uh championship. They made the finals twice. I think the most memorable well 1976 but the most memorable was in 93. Um and they couldn't they couldn't beat the the Bulls. That was uh during the nobody could beat the Bulls at that time. <laughs> yeah, no one can. That there's just no way. But yeah, no, this is the the Suns have a really good shot here. I know they're it's not going to be easy with whichever team makes it out of the East if they're the team that represents the West. But the Suns have a good shot this year. I, I'm really liking their chances. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So we have like another two rounds to go. The Suns are the only team that have advanced already. If we're doing an early prediction, I wouldn't even say who do you think is the champion, but. Who do you think goes to the uh, uh, to the finals? This might be also predicting the Milwaukee Brooklyn series, but I just want to know what's your pick for the what's your early pick for the NBA? Oh finals man, right 
Oh man, this is a tough one. Uh, my gut's saying Phoenix versus Milwaukee with how things are going right now. Uh, Milwaukee's got the edge in the series just based on the uh, the fact that Nets are uh, campered with injuries. And the, the, the Hawks are going to give them a good fight, but I think the Bucks are the better team. And then uh, the Suns just are playing exceptional basketball right now that no matter who they face, they're going to have a tough time against them. So it just feels like Phoenix and Milwaukee is going to be the finals. So going into the playoffs, I had Lakers, Nets, like probably mostly everyone, and then obviously injuries and things, and we saw the Lakers exit. Um, but I still think Brooklyn gets it done and goes to the finals. I think Game 7 is going to be insane. I just have a feeling Kevin Durant's going to go on like beast mode. Like We know he's a experienced veteran performer, and I know, and we know we're still waiting for Giannis to um, have that level of clutch and, and develop that. Um, experience with experience right so i don't know i feel like kevin ranson like like lebron does too is just not gonna let anything come between in his way of getting mm-hmm. to that next round right now even if it's just him and Kyrie and, and harden are out um and then yeah i'm gonna say suns because even if the clippers move on i think uh or the jazz move on i think the suns have so much momentum momentum right now and uh uh, Chris Paul, I think uh, we forgot to mention this. He's entered COVID protocols. Um, let's just hope that he can be back soon because he's pivotal to that team. But I think Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton in their own rights have been um, absolutely tearing it up and have been proving that they can perform in the playoffs. Absolutely agree, man. It'd, it'd be great to, to see him back uh, in time for uh, the finals. If, if, oh, yeah. if indeed uh, he misses the entire third round. Yeah, I mean, let's hope not. But like I said, I think they're still in good hands. Absolutely. All right. And then uh, let's quickly go through the NBA awards. Um, let me just pull it up here. Um, they've The NBA has already announced their award winners. So it's going to be different from the NHL because we already know who won. Um, but let's start with uh, the one I sent you. Happened literally a couple days ago. LaMelo Ball <laughs> won rookie of the year and i think we've been saying we've been saying he's the rookie of the year all season i think it's well deserved you're definitely right uh lamella ball was easily the best rookie from day one of the season to when he was eliminated from the from the playoffs uh he's one of the brightest uh, young players in the league right now it's no disrespect to the other talents uh this year anthony Edwards had a good year tyrese helburn had a good year but no it was an easy choice i would be shocked if lamella ball didn't win it this year yeah, like, and I'm, I've been seeing a lot of debate over his win, um, only because he got injured halfway through, a little over halfway through the season, um, and then that happened to be when Anthony Edwards, um, had like a huge rise, and Anthony Edwards played amazingly in that second half of the season, um, but this is why like. This is the MV. This is the the rookie of the year award, not the rookie of the second half award. And Lamelo Ball, he might have missed part of the second half, but he he came out of the gate like playing absolutely amazingly. So he deserved rookie of the year for that. But he got injured and he still came back. Let's not forget he he didn't miss the entire second half. He came back, and I think the biggest thing is the Charlotte Hornets made the playoffs. Well, I I count them making the playoffs. I know they they only made it to the play-in round, but they were gunning for that playoff spot for a long time. And let's not forget, they were a lottery team last season, and they based their entire offense around LaMelo Ball pretty much and his run-and-gun style. 
So when you look at his impact on his team, and he came back, he didn't play as high of a level as he did when he first started uh, before his injury, but he still played very well. And so even if Anthony Edwards at that point was playing better um, in the second half, I think as a whole, LaMelo Ball, one, played better as a whole, even with his injury, and second, he actually got to, he really helped propel his team to the playoffs, whereas the Minnesota Timberwolves are still a bottom feeder team. Yeah. I will want, I will say this though. I want to take back what I was saying earlier in this season, like around the draft, when I was uh, kind of skeptical of uh, what Anthony Edwards could provide uh, for the Timberwolves. I, I I take it all back. He's been he's been he's been great. I think the uh, Timberwolves got a good one, and I, I think a lot of people uh, did not know what to expect from Anthony Edwards. So good for him, by the way, for 100%. being the runner up. A hundred percent, and I'll shout out uh, Tyrese Halberton as well. Had a huge season uh he's exactly what the kings need um huge steal in the draft and uh for most of the season he was always showing he's he was also showing up as the second best rookie beside lamella ball oh yeah the, the kings are are getting there they're, they're getting there they're gonna be good in a couple of years it's common guys yeah <laughs> yep um so next up we have uh six man of the year Jordan Clarkson. I don't really have too much to say about this. He played great going over to uh, Utah, and uh, they've been the best team in the league, so it's well-deserved. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what can you say about the Utah Jazz? Easily the uh, the, the, the best uh, bench in the NBA. So good that they have two guys for as finalists for the sixth man of the year, and it could have gone either way. But, yeah, Jordan Clarkson was great for uh, Utah this year. Yeah. Going uh going with the uh, Utah Jazz here, uh, defensive player of the year went to Rudy Gobert. Another huge reason why they were the best team, because they have the defensive player of the year, and Rudy Gobert is one of the best defensive players in the league. This is his second defensive player of the year award, I believe. So, again, well deserved. Like can't even argue it. Well, this this speaks clear to what the Utah Jazz's identity is. They're they've always been a really good defensive team, and Rudy Gobert is the main reason why. And the fact that he's already won two Defensive Player of the Year awards uh, speaks volumes to his his value on in his own end. Uh, great player. I, I honestly think uh, it'll be a damn shame if he doesn't win a title by the time he retires. 100%. Um, next up, Coach of the Year, Tom Thibodeau. Uh, I think we mentioned that earlier in the uh, episode, but yeah, uh, really well-deserved. He came in and changed up the New York Knicks completely. And the New York Knicks were the joke of the league before, and now they actually have a very bright future ahead. You're absolutely right. It's well-deserved. And uh, the Knicks were def- easily the biggest surprise of the uh, season this year. I don't I don't think anybody projected them to even make the playoffs this year. Everyone assumed that the Raptors were going to sneak in as one of the, the final spots. But no, the Knicks uh, played exceptionally well, and they, they made an inspiring run to the playoffs. And while they didn't end up doing much in, in the postseason because they, they lost in five games, I think they got a bright future ahead, and Tom Thibodeau is going to be a part of that uh, for a while. Yeah, and I think the biggest re- reason for their success in the, on, on their core is uh, Julius Randle, who actually won most improved player. So he gets that trophy, and I, again, no, no argument against that. He definitely was the most improved player. He literally was playing like a star-level talent from uh, pretty much just being a six-man type player, and he became the best player on that Knicks team pretty easily. So, of course, he gets most improved player. 
Man, remember when uh, fans of uh, NBA fans were clowning the Knicks for getting Julius Randle yeah. <laughs> when they couldn't get uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie yes. Irving? Oh my gosh, I remember. I remember Stephen A. Smith um, screaming about it as well. Like, why you go out and all you get is Julius Randle? But hey, you got a, you got a potential star player there now, so that's good. You ended up getting your best your best player, so I think that's still a win. Absolutely, I've always been a. Anymore. I've always been a fan of Julius Randle, so it's been good to see him uh, finally get some recognition. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, finally, finally, we have uh, the MVP. In my opinion, well deserved. And uh, honestly, like I was, I was calling him to be MVP all season. I know there's some discourse, and we'll get into that a little. Um, but Nick, Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets, the Joker. I think very well deserved. We've been praising him for the last season, the last couple of seasons, just how crazy, just how crazy his play style is. He plays like a, a, a guard as a big man. And it's just it's amazing stuff what we see, but what are your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree. It's a very well deserved award for him. I don't know if he's going to win again next year, just because it's probably going to lot tougher with 10 additional games and hopefully more teams are fully healthy, but uh, I totally agree. This is a, He's definitely earned it this year, and he's one of the bestest second round picks of all time. Like it's there's no there's no debating it now. Like I would say this the MVP award cements it. Yeah, I mean he's the lowest drafted MVP of all time. I don't know if there was another second round MVP even. So if if he's the only second round MVP of all time, then I guess he's the best second round pick of all time. I guess you know what this is. This does it makes team, NBA teams a lot more aware in the second round that they 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 don't just view the second round pick as a wasted pick. They can find legitimate talent. Man. This is what this does going forward. It's going to make the NBA draft a lot more interesting, and hopefully, hopefully, maybe more rounds, an what? addition, a third round. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And let's not let's not forget he was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest video ever. They couldn't even oh, show yeah. like a video of him. Like they just, or even they couldn't even put his highlights during that time. It was just like a Taco Bell commercial and Nikola Jokic, and uh, that'll forever be there. But uh, yeah, that just shows how crazy just his development and how he's come here and he's dominated and literally a play style that we haven't really seen from coming from big before. So very well deserved. He won it over Steph Curry and Joel Embiid, and I know there's discourse about it. A lot of debate because Steph Curry obviously put up MVP numbers this season. Unfortunately, he couldn't make them a playoff team. And I think that is a big dent into his his argument for um, MVP. And then Joel Embiid, he honestly was up there with Jokic as well for most of the season and possibly in first for the award, but he got injured. So there's always going to be debate about that. But I think for both, for the whole season, Jokic still was on the radar as being the MVP, if not second to Embiid at certain times, but always up there. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Uh, Steph Curry probably would have had a better shot at it had the uh, Warriors made a surprise run to the playoffs, but even then, they usually don't go to lower-seeded teams anyway. It usually goes to uh, like third seed or higher, which in this case it was for the Denver Nuggets. And uh, there could have been an argument made for Joel Embiid, but uh, I think there's no denying that uh, Jokic is uh, one of the best players in basketball. And this pretty much puts him on the map. He could potentially be one of the faces of the, one, if not the face of the league. hundred percent. We need him in a, uh, we need him getting a Taco Bell commercial. Yes, <laughs> I, I agree. You said that you said that and you're so right. <laughs> that would be perfect product placement. 
Yeah, um, it's uh, it's too good to pass up. Taco Bell, you got to hit him up. And did you see the video of him like after? Because obviously they got eliminated now, and he went back home to Serbia, and he's like riding in the back of a, like a horse carriage or something. <laughs> you have to see this video. Um, that's just Jokic. He's like the funniest, funniest MVP. <laughs> All right, show it to me afterwards. But it already sounds amazing just from how you're describing it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so those are the NBA award winners. I think uh, very well deserved, uh, all of them, pretty much. Um, so it was a good year. It was a good, a really good season for um, a lot, of, a lot of surprises. I, I like just looking at the, a lot of the awards, like you know, Jokic, Lamelo, uh, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle. A lot of like surprise winners, surprise leaps that we've seen this season. I think that's what we love. It wasn't just the superstars winning as we usually expect them to. It was a lot of a lot of new names, which is great. Yeah. It's 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 been it's been a great year for basketball and I'm I'm really looking forward to what the future lies ahead because this year has proven that it's wide, wide open. Yeah. And I hope it continues for a while. For sure, for sure. And I think uh also the league is getting younger and we're seeing a lot of we're seeing the new faces of the NBA come out with Jokic and uh Randall and even Lamelo. It's going to be fun. Oh yeah. I I'm, I'm looking forward to uh the rest of the playoffs and and of course next year. It's it's a great time to be a basketball fan. For sure. So uh we're going to start wrapping this up slowly. Last thing we're going to talk about is baseball and just briefly talk about the Blue Jays uh they're up and down. They're a roller coaster right now. Um I think let's just mainly talk about the two things is their bullpen and uh, Charlie Montoyo, but it's all kind of surrounding. Is this team good enough to make the playoffs as currently constructed? I'll just get it out of the way already. Uh, we know Vlad, Vlad Guerrero jr. Is literally playing as the best player in baseball right now. MVP candidate um, right now, but he can't do it all by himself. This team, let's start with the bullpen. This team is blowing games late constantly what do you think is your opinion? What's your opinion on that? And what could they even possibly do to fix it? They need, they need help with the bullpen. The bullpen is letting them down big time. I remember seeing some, a stat that said that the Jays have blown uh, the most uh, leads uh, in the seventh inning or later this season. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous that they have a great offensive unit, even without George Springer, who's, who's missed a lot of time this season. And yet it's still the pitching that's uh, the biggest downfall. The The fact that it's taken them this long for the Jays' uh, management to address it is a huge concern. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't address it, they don't find legitimate talent, it's not going to make, not going to do anything this year. It's, it's, it's that simple. They are blowing leads like crazy. Um, and it really does come down to the bullpen. And, but at the same time, the market for like relievers um it's not that great right now and the blue jays would probably have to pay a good amount to get some solid relievers so i really don't know obviously they need help they need help bad but i don't know how they're gonna get the help and how soon they can get the help because they'll need it soon or right now their chances of the playoffs are slipping away yeah, I mean, it's they're still not completely out of the woods yet. Uh, they can yeah. still turn things around. But again, they need to address the bullpen as soon as possible. They cannot wait till the July 31st deadline. They need to make the move right away because Boston is is not uh, losing ground. 
the Yankees are starting to they are got three big wins to get back in the in the race, and the Rays are the Rays. So if the uh, the the Blue Jays don't act fast, this season's going to be a lost cause, and they're going to waste an MVP year from Vladdy and a, a great performance from Bo and Teoscar Hernandez is having a fantastic year, and same with Simeon. Yeah, it's it's this is all going to be for naught if they do not address the bullpen. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so I'll ask you, do you think this team is good enough to make the playoffs? No, not as currently constructed until they address the bullpen. They're not, they're not good enough. I completely agree with you. Offense, offensive output is amazing right now, but that won't get you to the playoffs right now for sure. Yeah. Yep. And this has always been a problem for the Jays. Like it's been a long standing issue. They've never really had good pitching. Like they've had good, really good starters, like uh, Cy Young worthy starters, but they've never had a consistently good pitching staff, and this is just again another problem. They and again, I can't stress this enough. They need to look at the open market. Like the one name that I would highly recommend is Richard Rodriguez, who's on the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. He's having an outstanding season, and the Pirates are not going anywhere. So that's a team that I would call up and ask what their price is on him. Because he could instantly improve the the Jays' bullpen. Oh, for sure. We'll just see. Uh, yeah, they have they have to explore the market right now, and they have to figure out what they could do. So I really hope they make some choices quick. And uh, last question is just, Charlie Montoyo, is he the right man for the job? Or is he making the right calls? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? I'll say this. I'm in a group chat with some friends who love the Bills and the Blue Jays. And a lot of them hate Charlie Montoyo's guts. I'm not in that camp fully. I'm not uh, a huge fan of a, Monto- a lot of Montoyo's decisions, but I know that he's a-, a great manager for a young team. So I'm indecisive at the moment. I'm kind of starting to lean towards, uh, no, he's not the right guy. They need to find somebody else that can uh, get this team to the next level. But it's it's still too early to call because things could change. He, it's At some point, you got to... If this is the year to prove if he's the guy. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm pretty much what you said. Uh, pretty much similar to what I'm about to say. Uh, he's great with young talent, and this is why I like the. I don't want to excel like just expect the Blue Jays to accelerate their rebuild. Let's. We've been talking about this, um, for the last year or so on this podcast. It's just that the, the Blue Jays have been um overachieving on their expectations, so it's great. Um, but let's not forget that they're a young team, right? So um, under Montoyo, they've been developing really well, really fast, and that's exactly what you need from, uh, you know, Vlad and, and Bo and, and the young guys. Um, so, and that should be the main goal, and making the playoffs is the bonus right now. And we're in, technically, we're not, we shouldn't be expecting playoffs from them right away or, you know, this season or next season, but we know that they have the potential and they're developing towards that. So I think he is the right man for right now. Is he the right man for getting them to the next level? I don't know about that, but I, as well, I don't think this is the stage where you really have to worry about getting to the next level yet, because I still think they're developing um, ahead of time on their rebuild, but they're still figuring everything out. So ask that question on, can they get to the next level with him? You know, when they're ready for them, that might be next season or the year after really where they, the next level is being a contender, not just a playoff team, you know? Yeah. I think uh, the, the Charlie Montoyo is like that bridge 
he's the guy that gets the the Jace in the right direction. He has a slow ceiling, but he has a big uh, floor. Exactly. You can take the Jays uh, in the right direction, and then you need to find that manager that puts them over the top. Exactly. I, I, I think that's where that's where things are heading. Exactly. And I don't think right now is really you don't really have to ask that question right now yet. I still think the Blue Jays are still on course, even though I still think they like we went into the season without the expectation of playoffs, right? And that saying that the Blue playoffs are bonus. So, you know, if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's fine. But we just saw that Vlad is capable of putting up MVP numbers. I like 22. So, yeah, we're, they're they're in good hands. Absolutely, yeah. I just hope that things can uh, bounce back uh, and get under control because uh, it would be such a shame to waste an MVP season, although it's not the first time the Blue Jays have wasted an incredible season from one of their players because uh, the team around them just can't uh, come up to snuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so with that, is there anything else you want to talk about uh, or bring up with the Jays before we uh, start to wrap up? Uh, I, I don't think there's anything else to talk about the Jays. I just, uh, like I said, I think can't stress enough that I hope uh, things that get get better for them. I don't want to see their season go to waste. I fly has been playing exceptional, but I think uh, the other thing is uh, video games have been going pretty well lately. Even though you haven't been playing as much, <laughs> I haven't. It's been a very busy time for me. I would love to get back into it though. Have you guys been playing a lot? We haven't been playing NHL uh, 21, but we have been playing uh, Warzone and uh, Fortnite a little bit. Mostly Warzone. Nice, nice. I, I am definitely going to have to hop on. Um, yeah, let me know what days are the off nights and I will come on my off nights. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, guys, if you want some recommendations for this week, I, I know it's a pretty uh, like a cold take, but FIFA 21 on the PlayStation Store is on sale. How much? If you like... Twenty six dollars. Yeah, I'm getting there. that. I'm getting that. <laughs> I've been playing that a lot recently. Again, like uh, I liked it on the Xbox One. I wanted to play it again. I'm I'm a FIFA guy now. I'm gonna be playing a lot more FIFA. And just in time for the Euros too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So perfect. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to get that. Exactly I know what I'm doing if it. I know what I'm doing if Italy loses. <laughs> Man. Do it on just just live your dreams through through the video game, exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, we'll close out here. You can follow us on Twitter. Our podcast account is at Behind the Net Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. And you can tweet us, um, message us, whatever. Give us feedback on there as well. So yeah, we love to uh, engage on there. And I think that just about does it for this week. So we'll see you guys next time. Hopefully we'll be back. We'll get back to our regularly scheduled program. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, have a, have a great week. Take care guys.